Yeah, and so for the first class today, um, I think it's important first to really say welcome and to really acknowledge that we're all here in this space, in this um, kind of intentional dynamic, right? That we've come here for a purpose. And this great teacher of kind of the early, earlier in this, uh, this century, I guess it would be, Achan Cha, he lived in Thailand. And he was one of the most amazing teachers, um, just from the books that I've read from him and also the students of his that I've met. One of my teachers was a student of his and he's, the student is one of the foremost meditation experts in the world, experientially. And one of the things that I read was I was reading some of the talks that Achan Cha, he gave to his community. And he said, you know, when you look out the gates of this monastery into the town, right, how many people pass in front of the gates of this monastery every day without coming in? And I'm getting a similar feeling when I'm sitting here looking at the cars pulling in and out of CVS, right, and these people, yeah, many of them even getting medication, right, for different emotional and physical problems that they're having. And, um, and he concluded that by saying, it really makes you appreciate good karma, doesn't it? Because this idea of karma, you know, this idea of that you have to kind of know about this to really know to come here. You have to have somebody that kind of has linked you in or got a book or a talk or you had to have maybe looked a little bit for yourself. You had to have maybe said, um, I need something else in life. My life is missing some peace whether out of desperation or out of curiosity or out of um, a real interest in understanding yourself in a deeper way. You've maybe made some actions in the past that have set the ball rolling that have allowed you to be here. And I think it's always good to really just acknowledge that at the beginning, I think. Um, we don't often acknowledge the fact that our present condition it always is a product of our past actions and the fact that we're all now sitting here together in this meditation class, that's already a huge victory for everyone here. That's already like a great step for everyone that you've, that you've done this for yourself and that you also know that this is something that you want to do and that this is something that's beneficial. So that's just a really cool thing to acknowledge that you're, you're part of the small fraction of people that actually yeah, are sitting in this room right now, so that's cool. Um, I think that one of the most important things that I learned um, during my practice, and just to preface that a little bit, so I'm from Andover also, so I went to you know, Bancroft and Doherty and Andover High School, and um, I went to college in Connecticut. And when I graduated from college, I actually went into a Buddhist monastery, and I ordained as a monk. And I lived there for eight years, so this was in Germany. And, um, and this was also right, every morning we had to meditate at five in the morning and eight, eight at night. And then we had also different retreats throughout and we were living life in a way as much as possible, you know, mindfully and um, with clarity about our intention and really understanding what habitual energies and, and beliefs we were bringing to the table with each new situation. And then I also, spent two years after I left the monastery traveling through India and through Australia, um, visiting also holy places and doing some retreats and meeting different teachers. And I've been back in Andover for two years. 
and I've been working a little bit with um, the community and I also am teaching a class through DCS and um, I have been, I was just actually in Andover High School on Friday talking to two classes and so sometimes I go into the, the schools, sometimes teachers ask me to come and talk about Buddhism or I've led some little programs, some after school programs, middle school programs and high school programs. Um, and I've also started doing educators retreats. So actually, this weekend, I'm leading my third educators retreat uh, with teachers from Doherty, West, um, Middle, and Wood Hill. So I'm going to be leading 17 teachers and administrators. So I think the principal of Doherty will also be there um, in, a, in a mindfulness meditation, emotional awareness retreat. And I've already done this with, with Wood Hill, a large only Woodhill retreat with just the principal and some teachers. And the superintendent's really on board and I've talked to kind of all the teachers from all the schools already. So also just for you guys to know that in this town, um, mindfulness and meditation and social emotional learning and all of this, this is, yeah, it's, it's happening, right? And I'm also a really, I'm a part of that as well. So, so it's really also nice for me to be a part of that in the place that I'm from and to see that my journey has also helped plug that energy back down into this place. So it's like a cool feeling. So during the time that I was in the monastery, I would say that one of the biggest mistakes that I made was thinking that meditation is separate from the rest of my life. That I thought um, in the morning I would go and I would sit down in our meditation hall, and then that would be my my meditation. I, I said it's like I tie on my my meditation cap for that time, and then I take it off and I leave it on my seat, and then I'll come back for it later, right? So it's as if I have multiple minds, right? So I have one mind that I can take when I meditate. I'm in that mode, and then I leave, and then I'm still just going around doing my life. Um, not really taking care of myself mentally and emotionally, right? And I started to notice that over time, whatever was happening in my life would carry over into my meditation. Whatever state my mind was in when I sat down to meditate, that state would bleed in, right? And that's normal, right? So if you um, were just coming here and maybe a dog started chasing you, right? Like barking and chasing you, ah, and you ran here, and you got in the door just in time and the dog you know, was trying to get you through the door but it couldn't. You wouldn't just walk in this room and just, ah, and just be able to sit and meditate, right? You would sit and you would be having flashbacks of the scene. It would kind of be reprocessing through you. You would feel like the tensions in your body, right? And you would kind of be in this, this process, right? You'd have to process that event till it could finally be kind of dispelled a little bit that you could also relax, your muscles could relax that you had to kind of go through that and relax, right? So the events that we go through when we sit to meditate, that's actually what we have to deal with. Um, and I also saw when I did longer term retreats, so I did like a three month silent retreat um, in Germany in the monastery and did another three month retreat in another monastery and you know, alone pretty much the whole day. Um, I really had a lot of chance and opportunity to just watch my mind to see what's going on. And um, I remember there was a time, it was actually when I did the 10 day Vipassana retreat. I don't know if any of you have done one of those. Um, so this is um, was a teacher, Goenka, he was Burmese. And he um, created kind of this, 
it's a 10-day retreat where you're silent for the 10 days, you sit for 10 hours a day for 10 days, and he leads you progressively through Vipassana meditation. And I believe the website's vipassana.org. Um, and, and the retreats are free, which is interesting. And the first one in America is in Massachusetts. It's in Shelburne Falls, I believe. So I actually did, I actually did this in India at one of the centers in India while I was there. So these are free 10-day retreats that anybody can just sign up and go, but it's a 10-day retreat. Yeah, so you get to sleep there, you get to eat there, you get the training, but you're sitting in meditation for 10 hours a day. There's no talking for those 10 days. So it's really intense. They're, they're willing to hold the space for you, but also have an expectation that you follow their program. So it's really an intense process to go into. Super rewarding also, um, if you get through to the end. Really, it's an amazing kind of thing to do. Um, but I remember while I was doing that process, maybe on day three, right? So it's like 30 hours of meditation in three days in. And I was sitting in my room during one of the short breaks. And I started remembering an argument I had with one of the nuns at the monastery. Um, three years prior, I believe. And I was going, and I was like, yeah, like I should have said that. And I was kind of playing out the situation in my mind, and then I just stopped myself, and I was like, you know, Seth, are you really reliving an argument you had with somebody three years ago in another country? You know, and it just, it just seemed so clear suddenly how stupid that was to do. And how anything that we haven't processed um, emotionally still kind of resides in there somewhere and will kind of come up to say, hey, remember me? Like, you're not, you haven't, you're not done with me. You know, and I, this is one of the things that I learned in the monastery, a big thing was about setting boundaries, right? That somebody would, I'd be really tired, I'd be heading off to bed and somebody would say, oh, can you mop the floor? And I wanted to go to bed, I didn't want to mop the floor. If I said to them, no, I don't want to mop the floor, I would feel guilty. And I would also feel that they were allowed to be angry at me, right? But if I did mop the floor, then I would be angry at myself because I didn't actually stand up for what I wanted or needed in that moment. And I realized in the first couple years that everyone that I was angry about, it was almost always a time that I had wanted to say no, but I didn't. And I started catching it sooner and sooner and sooner after the fact, right? Then first it would be like years, right? I'd remember things from my childhood, right? And then it started catching up to me and I remember, oh, like last week that person, you know, and then it would start to get to the point where in the moment somebody asked me something, I'd be like, ah, this is one of those situations again. And I would say to them, no, I don't want to do that. You know, and I had to go through this whole process of from the time that I was meditating, seeing what was swirling around in my mind to then living my life in a way that those swirls stopped that as much as possible I started living my life without residue, is how I call it. That I, after I leave a situation, that I really feel complete with that situation. Whether that's an argument, whether that's a conversation, whether, whatever kind of situation it is, that as much as possible I leave situations in my full integrity that I feel like I can put that situation to rest and move forward. So to live in a way that's a little bit more free. So when I sit down in meditation, I'm already halfway there. Yeah. So this first part about really living your life in a way that is more relaxed, that is more calm, 
but also that you really stand up for yourself, right? That you really do what you have to do. You say what you have to say. You really live your life in full integrity. And even sometimes that means being angry and expressing that anger. Even that means being setting boundaries. Not being mean, but also not necessarily giving people what they want all the time. Yeah, that sometimes as spiritual people, we want to be kind, we want to be friendly to everybody, we want to talk softly, you know, but that doesn't necessarily represent what's really going on inside. And also I noticed, I mean, imagine being a monk, right? So you got the robe, you got the shaved head, you know, so you're representing this 2,500 year old spiritual line. And if someone asks you to do something and you say no, they're like, oh, I thought monks were supposed to be helpful, you know, they blame you for it. You know, and you really have to be strong in that and say, like, actually what I'm doing is exactly what a monk should do. They're supposed to speak honestly about their feelings and what they want and don't want. And for somebody to push them around or try to manipulate them with guilt would be very unhealthy, right? So you start to learn also that sometimes having to confront people in situations and things is also part of the process of meditation. Because if I can put up the correct boundaries, then I feel safe in my space. And also I feel at peace with myself and that also allows us to kind of go inwards. So one thing is that, is to start realizing how you're living your life. And the other thing is really to realize the mechanics of meditation. What I'm going to teach you guys here, it's shamatha meditation, which is just stillness meditation. Um, and this really has to do with allowing the mind to come to a place of stillness. And a still mind and a content mind are the same thing. Yeah, so if the mind doesn't want anything, it becomes still naturally. So a still mind and a contented mind are the same thing. When the mind is content, it stops. When the mind is irritated, it's busy. Right? When you're stressed, your mind races. When you're angry, your mind races. When you're afraid or nervous, your mind races. Yeah, when you're sitting at home, you're relaxing, you're on the beach. Yeah, maybe home is a bad example for some people, <laughs> right? When you're out in the forest, the times that you really are in a place that you really feel good to be there and it's, ah, oh, it's a nice place and it's beautiful, the mind naturally comes to a state of calm and presence. Yeah? So the conditions to having a calm mind is actually having a mind that feels content and peaceful. And the two things really work together. So there's a lot of people, their way of meditating, right, is to try to fight against their thoughts, right? So it'd be like if you could look inside somebody's mind, they'd be sitting there with a sword, and each thought that came, they'd try to, you know, slash it or stab it and kill it, get rid of it, right? So that would be somebody who's like at war with themselves. That's like a battle in your mind, okay? It doesn't seem like it's very peaceful. It doesn't seem very content. Right? So maybe some of you have heard the example, like, see your thoughts like passing clouds, right? Or like a thought comes and it's like a balloon that like you release and you let it float away, right? So this idea of like, yeah, thoughts are not an enemy. This weird battle against thoughts is like a total Western Buddhist thing that's not, you know, we shouldn't be fighting against our thinking. Um, our mind comes to a, a calm state. The thoughts cease naturally when we start to relax. Yeah, so imagine when you close your eyes, everything that you experience, everything that comes up, that's you. Imagine looking in a mirror and telling the person in the mirror to stop making faces at you, to put their hands down. And you wave your hands at the person in the mirror and you say, put your hands down. And the person in the mirror is waving their hands back at you, right? 
right? So when you relax, the person in the mirror relaxes. Yes, yeah? so when you close your eyes and you come into meditation, all that stuff that comes up, that's you. It's not like I'm calm, but my mind is crazy, yeah? I am meditating, but my mind, my thoughts, my emotion, no. Your thoughts and your emotions, that's you. That's your image. That's your reflection. That's your karma, right? If you stir a pot of soup and you take out the spoon, the water keeps moving, yeah? So if you're busy all day and you're worrying and you're thinking and you're doing and you're stressing and you sit down to meditate and the mind is still spinning, that's because you've been stirring that mind all day long and now you take out the spoon for your 10 minute meditation and you don't understand why that soup doesn't stop spinning. Of course, it's like simple physics, right? So you've built up a momentum, right? The karma, this momentum, this force. And then when you actually stop and look at it, you see the mind still spinning. So all you're watching is your own karma. All you're watching is the momentum you've been creating in your own mind playing out in front of you. And right, you have to pull out the spoon and then the soup keeps spinning, but eventually on its own accord, it starts slowing down until it stops. So meditation, it's really the same way. There's not so much for you to do. It's more this process of understanding that all of this stuff coming up is just my karma. And you just sit with it and you relax and you just let it all be. And eventually it all starts to stop by itself. Yeah, and that's why meditation a lot of people find so difficult because you can't do anything. You can't do anything to make it quicker or better. It's the opposite. The less you do, the better it gets. So you really have to let go. You have to trust the process. Yeah, you have to stop fighting against things that you don't think should be there, that you don't want to be there. You really have to just allow things to be like they are. And this is also then how meditation starts training your mind again for the world. That when you start living your life, your life becomes easier because you know how to be with unpleasant situations in a, in a more open and present way. Yeah. So it all kind of feeds into each other. So for our meditation today, um, we'll have about a half an hour meditation. And I'm going to guide you into the meditation. So sometimes people hear half an hour and they're like, oh my God, that's kind of long. But I'll guide you guys. I'll do a bit of a guided meditation in and I'll leave us in a kind of relaxed spot. Mm -hmm. And then I'll slowly, towards the end, also bring us back. And during the time today that you meditate, I, I almost want to say to you to forget everything that you've ever been taught about meditation. Yeah, That even if you have your own practice that you do at home, I would even say just for this class today, just to make an experience, leave all that stuff to the side. Mm -hmm. And for this class today, to really see what it's like to actually just sit here and relax. To not be trying to meditate, to not be trying to relax, to not be trying to get anywhere, anything but to really allow yourself just to actually relax. Just to relax, to breathe, to be present, and to let the natural mechanisms come into play. To let the mind naturally get to those states because you've let go. Because you've taken the spoon out of the pot and you've dropped it. Yeah, so that would be my, I don't know, 
encouragement for today. Ultimately, do whatever you want. This time is for you, right? Um, Can I ask a question? Sure. Sure. So, doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, and next thing you know, you're somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's falling asleep or in some, wherever you may be. Mm -hmm. Are you saying just continue on that path, or are you saying stay here in this room, inside, and so as you find yourself off somewhere, bring yourself back? The interesting thing about that, if you start to meditate and you start falling asleep, that means that you're tired. And if you're tired, then why are you forcing yourself to meditate? If you're tired, why are you forcing yourself to do anything? If you sit there and you start getting sleepy, then that's what you need right now. Yeah, so we're peeling back all of these ideals of what this practice is supposed to be about. If you need to rest, rest. If you're sitting here and you notice that your mind is overactive and it's wandering, it's thinking about things, the second that you realize that your mind has gone away, you're already back. So the mind is going to wander off by itself, but it's also going to come back by itself. And when the mind by itself comes back, again, your only job is just to sit and be present. And this is going to happen a few times. The mind's going to wander off by itself, and then it's going to come back, and you're just going to be here. The mind's going to wander off by itself, it's going to come back, and you're going to be here. And the more that you make that experience, when the mind comes back to being here, it's going to slowly start to feel that here is not so bad. Yeah, that it's starting starting to realize that here is safe, here feels good, here feels relaxed, and you're going to start transitioning into that feeling, right, like when you're at the beach or something that it's going to just start to feel really good to be here. And this is also what the Buddha, was, he said in his teachings, that you need like the joy, you need the positive emotional feelings involved in meditation. Because that, that feeling of peace and relaxation, that's what naturally starts to draw the mind in. Right? You can't force your mind to do anything. I'm sure we've all tried that for years and years. And we've tried to force our kids' minds and our partners' minds and our friends' minds. You can't force a mind to do anything, yeah? But you can coax it, like a good dog trainer or a good horse trainer. You know how to coax it to do what you need it to do, yeah? So the way that you coax the mind into being present is really by giving it something that it wants, which is this relaxation, yeah? So even though your mind goes away, it seems very, like, antithetical, you allow it. Yeah, go ahead. If you want to go, go ahead. And it's going to come back, and it's going to be like, oh, kind of nice here. And maybe it's going to think about something again, and it's going to come back and again feel like, oh, it's kind of nice here. And eventually, because it's nice here, it's going to want to just stay here. Yeah? And then that starts to get much more powerful, that sense of presence starts to build. And then the mind really starts to go deep, 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 deep. And that's a way to practice meditation sustainably. People that put effort into meditation, it's not really sustainable. It's kind of exhausting. I can force myself to not have thoughts for like a couple seconds. I can force myself to stay with my breath for 10 minutes if I wanted to. But it doesn't really make me feel good. I don't feel relaxed. It almost feels like I'm pushing myself to achieve something, which is actually the same mind that's creating all the stress in me in the first place. Yeah, the whole reason I'm meditating is because I want to let go of trying to achieve something. Yeah, I want to let go of the ego thinking it knows what's best for me. And I want to just be here. Is that okay? 
So we're going to sit in a position that for us feels comfortable. 